0: I'm Brianna. I'm Sarah. And we are the The Squad squad Ghouls, Ghouls. just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, better. Exactly.
1: Oh yeah.
0: (laughs) I have a howling. uh, Oh God, I can't even say it right. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you leave that in. Yeah, we'll leave it in. Don't delete that. We'll
1: leave it in. (laughs)
0: I have a Halloween joke
1: for you because I can't say it the
0: other way. Halloween. It sounds so much better like, when you say it.
1: Like howl like a werewolf.
0: Yes. I don't know why I couldn't say that at that
1: particular moment in time. That, it happens. <laughs> Sleep deprivation. I know. Right? It's, a, it's a bitch. <laughs> but I have a joke. I'd love to hear it. Okay.
0: How do you mend a broken jack-o'-lantern?
1: I don't know, Brie.
0: How do you? With a pumpkin patch. <laughs> you're welcome oh that one's cute it was i had to put that in because as i'm saying it i'm like you know putting my my fist under my chin
1: (laughs) i have one for you too okay what is a vampire's favorite fruit oh which one a nectarine (laughs) Oh, my gosh. They just
0: get better and better.
1: Uh, Or they get worse and worse, and we're just slowly losing our minds.
0: I mean, I like the idea of both.
1: I mean, that's true. Hey, I did actually, uh, I made it through, I think a couple weeks ago, we talked about the four-part Ghost Adventures quarantine series. Oh, yes. um, Where Zach Bagans was going to record four different episodes worth of garbage uh, trying to provoke stuff in his haunted museum in vegas oh boy. so i finally watched all four parts really i did and um it was interesting i learned some stuff so uh the the very last episode that actually just j or aired last week uh was about the dybbuk box
0: oh that's the one i really wanted to see
1: so i learned uh I learned something about the Dybbuk box. So the part I already knew, which is a a couple of different things. So one, um, it was originally sold by an antique dealer on eBay and it was sold specifically as a haunted object. Um, he bought it for his mom. And as soon as she obtained it, she had a stroke. Um, and then there's a whole lot of other backstory about people that have, uh, come in contact with it or who have had it in their possession with weird things happening. Um, and it's actually, the or the movie, The Possession, is actually based on the legend of the Dybbuk box. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's been and, a minute since I've seen that. Yep. And, well, there are 10 Dybbuk boxes in total oh, somewhere great. in the world. Right? Great. <laughs> so, there are, uh, there's 10 different boxes. The main guy that sold the original wine cabinet that the movie is based off of, and that's in Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum in Las Vegas, is, um, obviously it's in Zach Bagan's possession now, but it's one of ten, and this other guy has six other ones. Why? I, you know. Like, why do you need six? I don't know, but he's got six of them. <laughs> the piece that I learned is Zach Bagan's actually acquired a second one. <sighs> Which is the quote-unquote root of evil. And if you look at the the box, it actually has little tree roots on the bottom. So I didn't know that he had the second one. So he, in his infinite wisdom, decided to open up both of them in the Haunted Museum. Why? Why not?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, is that place, like, blessed so that none of that stuff goes out into the world of Vegas? Because we all know... There's already demons walking around in <laughs> Las Vegas. We don't need any more. Well, so they
1: opened up both of them oh, at the same time together. Because that's then, a good idea. Well, and then they started walking around the house with it open, like letting it t- interact with all the other things. But I didn't know um, that six. So I, I thought I knew that there were 10, but I thought that they all were in different spots. I didn't know that Zach Bagans has two, the original guy that sold the wine cabinet has six of them and then there are two in the world that are unaccounted for oh boy mm-hmm. it's it's interesting times but that one was interesting um the Kravorkian van episode i think oh yeah i think they did that one in the very first episode that was really interesting mm. um but i'm also very pro euthanasia so ah. that's you know i mean
0: i feel like if that's your choice and that's what you want to do
1: and if you're then you should do it. If you're terminally ill and in excruciating pain mm-hmm. and you know I I'm I'm also very pro mental health so yes there need to be some guardrails around it yes. and need to try to get people the help that they need but if in situations when you're you're suffering and there's absolutely zero cure or hope for what ails you then you should have the the right to End it. End your own We do it for our pets. We wouldn't make our pets suffer. So why exactly. would we? Why would we do it for? Exactly. Why, why would we make the people that we love suffer?
0: I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. I feel like um, that would be a great episode to talk about all of those the four different episodes and what he focused on, cool. and we can give you know a little bit of background of each thing.
1: I think that would be cool. Yeah, that would be fun. We should actually we should add that to the podcast yes. schedule. But it was really good. I highly encourage people to to watch it. And then we can pull um, some more info on some of the different haunted objects. Because he mostly, like with Peggy the doll, he mostly just provokes her. and oh, okay. And tries to, you know, make something happen. As opposed to going further into the backstory. Um, oh, okay. And he also, the other piece that I didn't realize is that he has a whole room in his uh, museum that's dedicated to Natalie Wood. Huh. I didn't know that. It's interesting. Yeah, and appearance.
0: Oh, just mm-hmm. like the research and just a collection mm-hmm. of newspaper clippings and
1: very, things like that. Very similar to the death of uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Her death wasn't an accident, as it was originally purported. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that for a freaking second. But that's just me. Well, there were two people. Other two other people on that boat. Three. Wasn't Christopher walking on it too? Oh, it was three. Well, right? oh, I'm,
0: I'm saying it was her and two other people.
1: Yes, and then the captain.
0: Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Right?
1: Because, am I crazy? Christopher Walken was on that boat yes, too, right? Yes, he was. Okay, I just want to make sure I'm not crazy. So, you know, maybe one day. I got a fever, and the only cure is to tell the truth about what happened to Natalie Wood. <laughs> Sorry. Oh,
0: my God, that needs to be on a shirt. <laughs> that is so great. So great oh you're welcome oh well shall we get into some other booze news yes booze (gasps) news booze (laughs) news i have one that i'm kind of excited
1: about i know i pre-ordered this already oh so what's happening (laughs) there
0: is a hocus pocus board game it's coming out on july Mm 26th but it's already up for Mm pre-order get on it
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so this is great. I'm so excited. So to win, players will have to work together and stop the Sanderson sisters, or well, Sanderson witches, that's what they put, but um from completing their nasty potion meant to endanger all of Salem's children. Oh no. Yeah. So according to this description of the game, um, in this uh cooperative card game, players work together to protect Salem's children and stop the Sanderson sisters from completing their wicked potion before the sun rises. Uh play potion ingredients to the cauldron and match all of the colors or ingredients. Um Binx will offer a helping hand.
1: Oh, kitty. So binks is in the game. The kitty was my favorite part <laughs> of the movie.
0: Yes for obvious me reasons. Too. <laughs> um while uh winifred mary and sarah cast their spells to thwart your plans mm-hmm. you can use tricks as the burning rain of death ah! and you can also and also billy butcherson is help is gonna help you
1: oh hello billy yeah
0: so it's 1999 that's not a lot at all nope
1: i already pre-ordered
0: it yeah so
1: I needed to find we'll something to replace my Cards Against Humanity set with. Oh, I'm
0: so mad about that. Me too. For those of you who haven't seen the article on that, just kind of adding this in our booze news, it's one of my favorite games, Me and too. I'm really bummed out to hear that the... It was the own owner?
1: The creator? Yeah, some of the creators. They're not nice people.
0: Yes. And you know we don't condone that here
1: no we don't condone people that so have i a problem feel with
0: like it's gonna collect stuff. dust for me yeah same here and i'm really bummed mm-hmm. because it's like we all know that there's some questionable cards mm-hmm. <laughs> that you know some people don't even like to play in the game mm-hmm. and i understand that but you know as we all know it's all in good fun it's Not meant to be taken seriously but knowing that they're not nice people and possibly extremely racist or i think it's i guess that's a known fact yeah (laughs) um now it makes me second guess a lot of the cards that are in the game
1: yep so now so i will be playing the new sanderson sisters hocus pocus board game at all parties now (laughs) instead of cards against humanity
0: Yes. Or I'll just bring the Cards Against Disney or the Cards Against Harry Potter. Are they all owned by the same people? I don't think so. Okay. I think it was me, but I will double check okay. that and I will, yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll let everybody know so we have an alternative. I'm spending my money (laughs) elsewhere. Other good news. Spirit Halloween stores are planning to reopen for the Halloween season.
1: Yeah. And so to the dirtbag out there that started that fake letter that they were not going to be opening for 2020, you're a horrible person. Yeah. Don't Don't scare people like that. Don't be trying to ruin our Halloween like that. No. We're trying to ruin a company. that did nothing wrong. Yeah very very upsetting we know you're bored channel read a book
0: (laughs) there's so many things that you can do (laughs) in your spare time (laughs)
1: paint take up a hobby walk outside stop spreading fake letters about businesses closing all over the internet yeah
0: please don't well i'm glad they posted on twitter uh, Mm -hmm. about this um they said in Mm -hmm.
1: Uh,
0: We heard you're crushed. Well, don't worry. The rumors aren't true. We are back and we got this covered. Mm -hmm, We are mm -hmm. safely preparing the best in-store experience possible and can't wait to welcome you back to our 1,400 locations. Come early and help make this year the hashtag best Halloween ever. Yeah, man. I'm excited. Me too.
1: That's great. Mm Mm-hmm. And also last week, Rob Zombie announced that he is releasing a limited edition, quote unquote, Firefly Trilogy Steelbook Blu-ray set. Ooh. Yeah, so this will have uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, uh, Devil's Rejects, and Three from Hell. And I'm assuming with a few other fun goodies, all in a pretty packaged Blu-ray set.
0: Ooh, that'll be nice.
1: Yeah, I uh, did not watch Three from Hell. I know it's on Shudder, but... Um, I just can't bring myself to do it. Okay, here's... Did you watch m- it? My... No. Okay.
0: But here's my thing. I'm... I like some of his movies, but not all of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that bad? Uh, you know, I I like... <laughs> is that wrong of me? <laughs> I wasn't super excited with um Devil's Rejects. Okay.
0: Yeah, I just... I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it.
1: No, and... I don't know, it's that old adage of you can't you can't unsee something mm-hmm. and I can't unsee three from hell. Yeah, so.
0: like it was just it was really it was just really hard for me to get through that. So
1: Yeah. But, but anyway. for those that are fans, yeah. Buy the trilogy steelbook Blu-ray you will set. Love it. I'm sure it <laughs> will make your life.
0: Yes. Get that pre ordered. Mm-hmm. Um, Other news, uh, Mike Flanagan will be doing an adaptation of Stephen King's The Revival. I'm excited for this. I haven't read this one. It's really good. So I'm going to have to get on it. (laughs) And hes uh, it's said that it will be bleak and mean. Just like the book. Yep. He is writing, producing, and may be set to direct this with Warner Brothers. Hmm. Um, Just a little background on the novel. It's uh, focused on the relationship between... Um, and a heroin addicted musician, and a dubious uh, faith healer with a hidden agenda. Mm. The minister is obsessed with trying to find a way to communicate with his departed wife and child, but ends up connecting to a lovecraftian horror.
1: It'll be good. I'm
0: excited mm. for this. I got to read this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: An- another one for the book club. Ooh. <laughs> club. Um, also. The uh, July installment of Hulu and uh, Blumhouse's uh, Into the Dark series uh, is the Independence theme, Into the Dark, The Current Occupant. Hmm. Um, And the official trailer has been released. It will be available on Hulu on July 17th. And um, this is uh, directed by Julius Ramsey. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's uh, trapped in... In A person is trapped in a mysterious psychiatric ward. Um, He has no memory and comes to believe that he's the president of the United States and the subject of a diabolical political conspiracy.
1: Mm. Yeah. Sounds too much like real life.
0: Um, I mean, (laughs) I was going to say that, (laughs) but um, um, Alston Ramsey wrote the script. Um, But he also previously worked as a speechwriter in D.C. for the likes of Secretary of Defense, uh, Robert Gates, um, General uh, David. Oh, I'm going to mess up his last name. uh, Patriots and Secretary of Homeland Security, Jay Johnson. And um, his experiences informed the creation of the film. Mm. So if you want to get into some political horror other than what's
1: happening in this world other than present day
0: (laughs) right it'll be available on hulu on july 17th
1: (laughs) nice well and for those that didn't know disney acquired 20th century fox last year uh but an announcement came out last week that alien and predator have now found a new home specifically with marvel that's so, really
0: interesting.
1: Yeah. So anything new for either of those franchises is apparently going to be released under Marvel or according to Bloody Disgusting. So Ooh. I don't know how that's gonna work. Uh my kitty cat Felix's favorite movie is Predator. Anytime it's on and <laughs> I happen to be watching it, he just he sits and he watches it. That's amazing. I don't know why. He he loves scary movies. Um bonus if they're about creatures, but Predator is a fan favorite of his who will watch predator all the way through without breaking eye contact with That's the TV. That's pretty
0: amazing. I feel like Pearl would never do that. <laughs> She'd probably fall asleep to be honest. Probably. Cause she, yeah, she gets comfortable very easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so some other um, black creators that we want to highlight mm-hmm. um, this week. Um, I did actually did some shopping um <laughs> <laughs> which um uh, adorned by chi mm-hmm. um clothing and accessories brand designed for misfits and magical girls uh they also produce an original magical girl uh, manga series hmm. and um adorned by chi has been featured on afropunk uh, uh
1: blavity.
0: blavity there we go sorry <laughs> nylon the huffington post and buzzfeed so check out on facebook instagram twitter um they also have a web shop and a pinterest page nice um also there's dark jasmine clothing um these are handmade goth and alternative uh clothing um their vibe is a mixture of alternative grunge with modern glo- uh, goth cloth. gloth is that, is that glamour goth did i I just make a word it
1: is now (laughs) i just made a word it is now
0: anyway grunge with modern goth which probably would never go together by (laughs) the way um uh giving you a torn and patched up looks along with clean modern dark fashion um they have a web shop and an instagram and then also von creep art um they make accessories good for the everyday goth i like that mm-hmm. <laughs> they mostly sell chokers earrings and necklaces um they only have a web shop um i have not seen i tried to look to see if they um had instagram but they could have added it by now maybe i'm not sure who knows but definitely check them out yeah man do some shopping mm-hmm. got nothing else better to do nope you
1: can't <laughs> dance so here there we go and in this week's episode, we wanted to focus on another film, original film based on a Stephen King book and its remake. So we picked Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the original came out in 1989, and then the remake was released 30 years later in 2019. I wonder why they waited so long. I don't know. This, like, ties into what we talked about last week of oh. when you go to remake something. Yeah. Question number one, should you?
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe that was a good idea that they waited so long. I don't know.
1: <laughs> like, one, one should you, and two, what are you going to do differently in the new version? Are you going to make it better, or are you going to modernize it, or are you just going to tell the same story With new actors, because if the answer is you're just going to tell the story with new actors, like you you probably could just not. Yeah. It already exists. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) But I mean, I really liked the 1989
1: version. Oh, and shout out. Oh, girl, girl director, Mary Lambert.
0: Yes. Excellent job. Mm hmm. And I'm I'm actually really glad that, um, you know, Stephen King was very much a part of this, mm-hmm. which was great. Because then, you know, then the story is told correctly, <laughs> hopefully.
1: Yes, and it's some- <laughs> something that's important to know is... Stephen King was very heavily involved with the 1989 version, but yep. I don't recall what year Pet Cemetery 2 came out. Oh it was some, some point in the 90s, but it was also directed by Mary Lambert. Um, he was not involved in that one. It is not based on a continuation of the book, it is not based on the book. He is not affiliated with it in any way. And also, it wasn't very good. Mm-mm. Sorry, Edward Furlong. It wasn't good. Yeah.
0: You, you cute, but it wasn't good. <laughs> I had a picture of him on my wall. Anyway. <laughs> but um, in... The earlier stages of development of the 1989 version. um, Actually, the film uh, the film rights were sold to uh, George Romero in 1984 for ten thousand
1: dollars. That's not very much money.
0: Yeah, uh, King had previously declined several other offers for the film um, adaptation. Um, Romero eventually had to pull out of the production as he was busy with Monkey Shines.
1: Monkey Shines.
0: I don't know if I've seen that
1: one. I have not.
0: (laughs) Um, Development executive Lindsay Doran loved the finished script and advocated for it to be made at Embassy Pictures and then at Paramount Pictures after she became vice president of production there in 1985. She was told each time that there was no more demand for Stephen King films. That has to be a lie. (laughs)
1: That's so funny. The lie
0: detector said,
1: that is (laughs) a lie. (laughs) There's no appetite for Stephen King, though. Come
0: on. But for the reason was that because there was just so many, there was a slew of adaptations from his novels released in the early 80s. -hmm. So I guess that's where, you know that came up but i still feel like that's a lie um mm-hmm. <laughs> it was only during the 1988 writers uh, writers guild of america strike that paramount reconsidered because the studio was facing a possible shortage of new productions for 1989 release uh steven's cream <laughs> <Stephen> king's script <laughs> for pet cemetery was finished and ready to go Uh, so Doran was given the green light to obtain the rights for Paramount and start production Uh, King who uh, had final say on the choice of director met with the studio's first choice of Mary Lambert yeah she impressed him with her enthusiasm for his novels and her commitment to stay faithful to his source material which secured her the job I mean rightfully so because she did a a very good job Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, the original cut of the film delivered to Paramount's executives was judged to be too long. Uh, so excess footage had to be removed. Uh, the original ending scene was more ambiguous. Um, it showed only the undead, uh, Oh yeah, it, it only showed the undead Rachel entering the kitchen where Lewis is playing solitaire, leaving his fate uncertain.
1: And that's uh, that's how it ended in the book. Yep. She comes back and puts her hand on his shoulder and says, darling, and then the book ends.
0: I feel like they should have left
1: it. Yeah, because I mean... Yeah, that's now, just me. <laughs> now we know what happens with, well, when she comes back in the movie and... well you'll get into that but you know oh
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) um although lambert called this the more spooky and sad tragic ending um because the audience knows it was you know not going to be you know what he wants she not coming back as his wife Mm -hmm. um the the studio decided it was too tame and at their request it was reshot to be more graphic uh rachel's appearance was made far more gruesome with special prosthetics effects and she kills lewis at the end as alluded to in his screams when the film cuts to black um but i'll definitely get more to the uh whole plot um and just a little bit so um as stipulated by king when selling the rights uh, pet cemetery was shot in maine where the story was set, and King himself, you know, wrote the screenplay, um, production was based out of Ellsworth, and auditions were held at the Grand Theater, where several hundred locals auditioned to be extras for the small spoken roles. King himself was very involved in the film process, um, consulting with Lambert frequently on her ideas of the story, and, you know, any, you know, other of uh, the, uh, changes in the script that she wanted to make um the house used for the creeds home was a private residen- residence near hancock uh while judd's house across the street was actually a facade constructed around uh, an existing house uh that was insulated with fireproof materials so the mock-up could be um, burned around it hmm. yeah Um, The interiors of the Creed house were uh, recreated on a soundstage in Ellsworth, uh, while the interiors of Judd's house were built um, inside the uh, Bangor um, arsenal. Um, So just a little bit about that. Um, So getting into the story, for some of those who haven't seen it or read the book, I definitely can say that this first movie was definitely... V- very, very close to the book.
1: It was pretty darn close. Yeah. Like, there there were some key things that were left out um, that we'll talk about, but it was, the essence of the book was correct. Yes.
0: So, we have the movie start off where we meet the Creed family. Uh, Louis, Rachel, and their children, Ellie and Gage.
1: Such a creepy little boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> De but ki- cute at
0: the, the same time from, uh, oh god
1: what was that tv show what the the little girls that look like monchi cheese what's that show oh everywhere you look oh full house yeah that one yeah miko hughes yeah he was on that show yeah he looks
0: not i mean he kind of looks the same now but i mean less creepy
1: yeah they fixed his hair thank god
0: yeah right <laughs>
1: <laughs> no more bowl cut.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, so it start the movie starts out where we meet the Creed family. They are moving um, from Chicago to Lutlow, uh, Maine, after Lewis accepts a job as a physician with the University of Maine. Um, they befriend their neighbor, Judd Crandall, who takes them to an isolated pet cemetery. Um, it was misspelled.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of you know that. Because
1: kids can't spell. Yeah. Some adults can't, too. And some of the text messages I get, I'm just, I'm I'm over here silently (laughs) correcting your grammar. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, but I like that they, like, kept that, though. But anyway. (laughs) So uh, Judd takes them in the forest, you know, behind the Creeds' home, and shows them this little, you know, pet cemetery. Kind of tells a little story about it. (laughs) Um, Lewis encounters uh, Victor Pascal, a jogger, who is mortally injured after being hit by a truck. Um, he warns Lewis about the Pet cemetery before dying, calling Lewis by name, though they have never met. Uh, that night, Pascal appears to Lewis as a ghost and leads him to the Pet cemetery, warning him not to cross the barrier because the ground uh, beyond is sour i like that <laughs> uh, lewis awakens assuming it was a dream but notices his feet are covered in dirt um during thanksgiving while the family is gone ellie the cat church ellie's cat church which by the way i love the name of that short of the cat.
1: short for winston churchill yes i love it
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. but i have to say though just want to put a note in In the newer version, I love the way that cat looked.
1: (laughs) So, we'll talk about that, too. There were multiple Meow Meows that it took to make that. Oh, great. And sadly, the main Meow Meow that's featured on the main theatrical poster died before the movie was released. Or very shortly after it was
0: released. So, yeah.
1: Poor Meow Meow. But,
0: yeah. So... While they're gone uh, during Thanksgiving, Ellie's cat church is run down on the highway. This is like a very dangerous road, apparently.
1: (laughs) Right. Like, I I, I don't know about any anybody, but (laughs) when you go to buy a house, one of the things that you look for is where it's located. And if your street is dangerous or a pain in the ass to get in and out of, move. Don't buy that house. Find somewhere else. Right.
0: (laughs) so realizing that ellie would be like super devastated as i would as well uh judd takes lewis beyond the cemetery and deep in the woods where they reach an ancient burial ground mm-hmm. um, judd instructs lewis to bury the cat and warns him not to tell anyone about like what they've done um the next day a reanimated church returns to the house and he now stinks, moves sluggishly, and is vicious towards uh towards Lewis. Uh Judd explains that as a boy, he revived his pet dog, and although the cat might be different, it will save Ellie the grief grief of losing her pet. I mean I get that, but also I mean, we also, all Also, don't let not your gonna... cat
1: outside. Yeah,
0: it, that's the other thing, Come too. Come on. <laughs> My cats don't go outside. <laughs> no, don't let your animals
1: outdoors. And, and also,
0: your, your dogs, be careful. Don't let them just run out.
1: No, mm. and I, I constantly, especially if you live in an area that's high traffic and you know people drive like jerks or you have critters like coyotes and raccoons and stuff, don't let your pets out. Come on. Yeah. Make your choices. It's so...
0: So coming back to this crazy road that's by their house, mm-hmm. <laughs> now Gage is killed by a truck along the same highway. Um you know, Judd anticipates that Lewis is considering buying his son um a bur- I'm sorry, buying <laughs> burying his son in this uh same burial ground, um, although Lewis denies it, but jeb believes that introducing lewis to the ritual ground aroused the you know the evil spirits you know that are present there and which also caused gage's death um he tells him the story of a local named bill uh, baderman who buried his son timmy in the the, the uh, burial grounds and after he was killed in uh world war ii uh timmy returned as this evil zombie and he terrified you know the whole town um a group of men including judd tried destroying timmy by lighting the bateman house on fire um only for billy to perish with his son judd insists that the burial ground is evil and lewis must not bury his son there but you know of course he misses his cute little creepy boy mm-hmm. and he doesn't listen <laughs> uh-huh. so after the funeral uh rachel and ellie leave for chicago while lewis remains home uh despite the warnings lewis exhumes his son's body and buries him at the ritual site um in chicago uh pascal appears to ellie in a dream and wonders and warns her that lewis is about to do something terrible um rachel is unnerved by her daughter's dream but can only reach Judd uh, when she calls, who tells her Lewis is not home. Uh, so she uh, decides to return to Maine, um, much to uh, Judd's alarm. That night, Gage returns home and steals a scalpel from his father's bag this I, I, I like these parts mm-hmm. <laughs> this is when it gets really good mm-hmm. uh he taunts judd before slashing his achilles tendon this
1: part makes me hurt yeah it, like i can't watch that part like I, the the Ooh, other part, it hurts yeah i can't i can't watch <laughs> your achilles getting slashed open like bleh.
0: yeah Oof. so he slashes his achilles tendon and his mouth but before biting his throat and then killing him uh, Rachel returns home and is lured into Judd's house by the voice and, uh, specter of her dead sister, Zelda, only to discover that she is actually seeing Gage holding a scalpel. In shock and disbelief, Rachel reaches down to hug her son and he kills her. Um, waking from his sleep, Louis notices Gage muddy, Gage's muddy footprints in the house and discovers his scalpel missing. Uh, Receiving a phone call from Gage that he has played with Judd and Mommy played in quotations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he fills three syringes with morphine and heads uh, and heads over to Judd's house. Um, encountering Church, he kills the cat with an injection before entering the house. Oh, poor kitty! <laughs> mm, I know. <laughs> uh, Gage taunts him further, and Lewis is startled by Rachel's corpse hanging from the attic before gage attacks him after a brief a brief battle lewis overpowers gage and injects him with the morphine syringe then he then lights the judd's house on he lights judd's house on fire leaving it to burn as it carries um rachel's body from the fire uh pascal appears and warns lewis to you know not make it worse but you know of course he's very sad you know that rachel you know is no longer with him but you know he believes that you know she wasn't dead as you know as long as maybe gage was um and then burying her will work this time but pascal cries out in frustration and and vanishes as lewis passes through him that night rachel returns to lewis and the couple embraces and then rachel takes a large knife from the counter before we hear lewis scream and the end (laughs) The yeah. so the movie did uh, uh, pretty good um the film was released uh, on april 21st 1989 and grossed uh 57.5 million at the box office Damn. on a budget of 11.5 million uh-huh. and then as we mentioned before yeah pit cemetery 2 released in 1992 Not so good. (laughs) No, it really wasn't. But I mean, there's hope. Mm -hmm. The new one was released just last year, 2019.
1: It was, and this one didn't quite do as well at the box office. So it had an estimated budget of 21 million, Um, and then in the USA it did 54.7 million total. Oh. Uh, Worldwide did 113. 0.118 0.118 million. Oh wow. Yeah. Um and the uh, that one didn't I don't what was the Rotten Tomatoes rating of the original? Um You know what? I
0: am going to quickly look that up.
1: The new one had a rating of 58%. Um and just a little bit of background on the remake there's some there's some very key differences primarily at the end of the film from the 89 to 19 version so first off being the original they End up coming from Chicago, which is true to the book. However, in the this new remake of the film, the te- the the team the team comes from Boston. No, the family <laughs> comes from Boston. um How did the original do? Fifty one percent. Really?
0: Yeah. The Maybe. audience score was fifty nine percent.
1: Maybe I gotta stop using Rotten Tomatoes as my litmus. I test disagree
0: for with that so much. It, I like the first the one was
1: so good. It was a nice mix of campy and spooky. Yeah, well... Oh, well. Yeah. You're wrong, Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Yeah,
0: you were definitely wrong on that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.
1: Yeah, so the the remake... originally started as an idea back in 2010 with paramount pictures um and then finally it started gaining some traction in 2017 when they greenlit the film so as i mentioned the family comes from boston this time instead of from chicago so they trade you know one new england locale for another um same thing. They meet Judd Crandall, who's this time played by John Lithgow, instead of uh Herman Munster, which I do love that Fred Gwynn was the original Judd, who was perfect. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> it had Jason Clark who stars as oh. Lewis Creed. Yes. He uh origin or he was in Winchester too. Yes, he was. So he's he's getting some good work. And then I thought he did a good job in this. I thought he was really good. Um he was not my issue, I actually really, I really liked this version of the film up until the ending, which we'll talk about. Yes. Um, so a couple of, of differences, and this kind of goes into the book as well. We meet Jug Crandall, who's the nice neighbor. However, this time around, we get a mention of his wife, Norma, who actually plays a really big part in the book. Uh, For those that have read it, you know, Mm -hmm. she ends up having a heart attack and Lewis being an ER physician saves her and they end up bonding over it. And the other piece that's left out of both films that's really present in the book is that Jug Crandall really becomes a father figure to Lewis. And Lewis even says at one point that Judd's the father that he always wanted and never had. Yeah. So we really miss that bond and that connection between those two characters in both the 89 version and the 19 version. So I'm a little sad about that. But at least Norma Crandall gets a mention in this one. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he just, you know, Judd just mentions that his wife died. Which she does die in the book, but not after having a heart attack and they they meet and bond and so forth um so same thing we fast forward we find out about the the pet cemetery we meet victor Pasco, who it's also important to note he does not play as big of a role in the book as he does in the movies yeah so we see him obviously in the er and then in lewis's dream those pieces are all true However, he keeps contact with Ellie during the book, but you only hear his name mentioned. You don't actually have all of these conversations and see him in both versions, the the way that he's portrayed. And Church dies, obviously, and is hit by that truck. But a couple of fun pieces of information about the cats that played Church in this remake. uh, The animal trainer, Melissa Millette had five cats, all rescue cats. Oh, wow. That were casted to play church. Oh, that's cool. That's all, amazing. Yeah, although uh, one of them ended up dropping out after getting scared on the set.
0: Aww.
1: So the, the feline actors were accommodated in five different trailers along with their human trainers, although one had to be kept in a separate trailer from all of the others because it did not get along with its castmates. And... The animal trainer Melissa Millett noted that the only good working cat is a happy cat. So they were very spoiled. The film crew even built an area near the trailers that was nicknamed the catio. So it's where, (laughs) yeah, so it's where all of the kitty cats could play and relax during different takes. That is so cute. I know. Um, And then the cats actually spent two months training for the film shoot, which took ten weeks for their part. Oh well. And aside from the one cranky cat, the rest all got along with each other and with the movie's human stars, including both Jason Clark and John Lithgow, who plays, you know, Lewis and Judd, respectively. Oh, great. Um, So they all found homes after the shoot was done. Two were adopted by Melissa Millett, and then she found homes for two others as well. And then uh, there were two, or I'm sorry... Two were adopted by the, the film's animal coordinator, and then she found homes for the other two with some of her friends, and then she kept one of the kitties as well. Oh. So they were all rescues. Amazing. Yeah, and then they all were adopted out. Mm-hmm. And, and then the- very sadly, uh, on May 30th, the main kitty cat who played Church, his name was Leo, passed away. Mm. The uh, gentleman that adopted him after the filming put the news on Instagram, um, so sad because he only had him for a very short period yeah. of
0: time. Yeah, I know. But at least he was in a good home. He was. So, that, that's great to hear.
1: Yeah, very, very sad. <laughs> um, and then the rest of the films parallel each other pretty closely until we get to the point of the truck coming and hitting one of the children and in the book and the movie, it's gauge or the, the 89 movie it's gauge. However, in this new version, it's actually Ellie that's killed. Yep. However, in the book and in the original movie, Ellie is the only member of the Creed family that survives. So that's right. same, same kind of concept. Uh, Lewis then decides to bury Ellie at the pet cemetery. However, the piece that's missing from the 2019 film is the story about Timmy. So we don't hear about him at all, um, which was, you know, I I like the little foreshadowing bits. But uh, so Ellie's buried and then obviously returns and comes back. Same thing, executes her murdering spree. However, uh, when she kills her mother, and this is where things start to get really weird, she drags her body to the pet cemetery and buries her there or to the the Mi'kmaq burial ground. Pet beyond the pet cemetery. So then Rachel comes back as Zombie Rachel, and then Lewis is killed and buried in the McMack burial ground. And at the very end, we see Gage in the car seat with Zombie Church, Zombie Rachel, and Zombie Ellie. And they're one cute little zombie family. Yep. But that's not what
0: happened. I know.
1: So I. Yeah. I, I appreciate That was a weird ending. Yeah, I appreciate that they tried to to make it a little different. Um I, you know, it was just a little lost on me. But that's okay. I didn't have to like it. I'm just one person. Yeah. Um the pieces of the film that were really different from the store from the original story and from the eighty nine version, a couple of, of key things. So one There is absolutely, positively zero mention of the Wendigo in the 89 version. Yeah, none at all. (laughs) And for those that are not familiar uh, with the legend of the Wendigo, and yes, there's a movie about it, um, but also it is part of a traditional belief system within a number of Algonquin-speaking Native American tribes and descriptions kind of vary back and forth between the different dialects, but in all of these cultures, the views that the one is a malevolent, cannibalistic, supernatural being. They're very sh- uh, strongly and often associated with winter, with the North, with coldness, famine, and starvation. Um, so it's, the way that it's kind of depicted in different images, if you look it up, mm-hmm. is a gaunt to the point of emaciation type creature with skin that's pulled really tightly over its bones and yeah. bones kind of pushing out its complexion is the quote-unquote ash gray of death and its eyes are pushed back deep within their sockets um, it's lips are we're tattered and bloody. Um, it's unclean. So part of the legend is that Wendigos are these cannibalistic creatures that continue to grow with the different people that they eat. So they grow, I should say, in proportion to the size of the meal that they ate. So that's why they continue to grow in size, yet they never look full. Yeah. And they, they have that really gaunt, terrifying appearance. Oof. So... Then you go into this whole uh, um, theory of Wendigo psychosis um, and there have actually been a lot of historical accounts of people that have been, quote unquote, possessed by it after being in a situation of needing food and having no other choice but eating people like the Donner Party. Oh, Um, lovely. Yeah. So if if it's 3 a.m. and you can't sleep, Google Wendigo psychosis and go down that rabbit hole. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, but this creature plays a really huge part in the book. It's the only hint that you get in the 1989 version is of, um, Judd and Lewis going to bury church and you hear that, that crazy sound. Yeah. Um, and they both stop moving and Judd looks terrified and then he, he looks at Lewis and says, it's just a loon. Like, no, it's not. (laughs) It Um, is not just a loon. No. And we get some glimmers of it. In this newer version, there's the section toward the end where you kind of see it in the trees. Yeah. And they talk about it
0: a little bit. Um, I felt like they could have touched on it a little bit more, though.
1: I agree, especially because it was it was such a big part of the book. Um, and actually, in the 89 version, they don't even mention the Micmac burial ground. Um, they just say, to your point, the ground is Sela. Yeah. Um, but... You know, <laughs> which I'm kind of
0: surprised that there wasn't more of the Wendigo, and especially because Stephen King, you know, basically con- consulted on it. So I'm curious why it wasn't really like mentioned that much.
1: Yeah, but he also liked the Doctor Sleep movie. So I, <laughs> you know, I think he likes it when people take a little bit of artistic license with his. With yeah. the stories, um, but you know, it's fine.
0: <laughs> unless you're, unless you're, um, you know, who created The Shining, so <laughs>
1: right. The other thing that's um, a little odd is the passage of time between the book and the movies. Oh yeah. So the book takes place over the course of a year, and we actually go through each of the seasons with the Creed family. However, in and in the 89 version, you kind of get a little bit of that, like when Ellie is changing decorations and such. Mm -hmm. But in the 19 version, it's just like this roller coaster really quick through the story. Oh, yeah. And it feels like it takes place over the course of two months. Yeah, it seems like it was
0: very, very short.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's really weird. And a couple of other pieces that I wish that they can they would have gone more into um the relationship of with zelda and rachel zelda being her sister that ends up choking in right. in the book um and she's got spinal meningitis she's much more present in the 2019 version
0: yes i i kind of like that that they did that in the the current version
1: i did too um and the another constant throughout the the films that's a little odd because it's not it's not how the book was written i understand why they did it um church isn't really evil in the film or in the in the novel he is described as being you know smelly stupid creepy and weird but he's not clearly evil the way that he's depicted in the films
0: he's like attacking
1: everybody yeah um (laughs) And you know, Ellie says, know, yeah, I don't like that cat anymore. He stinks." And and blah, blah blah. That that part did happen. Um, but he's not evil, the way that he's portrayed in the in the films. And the relationship with Rachel's parents is really weird in the new film. And mm-hmm. in the book, yeah, in in the book, and in the the eighty nine film goes into it a bit, and you know that they clearly hate Lewis, and they know they think that he's never going to be good enough for their daughter. But they go so far in the book as to buy him off when they're dating, when Rachel and Lewis are dating originally, because they hate him that bad. they offer him money to go away and never come back. That piece is missing from both films, and they don't really get that much into it in the second film either. Yeah. So that was that was a little odd. But there are some really great Easter eggs. In the eighteen or the I'm sorry, the nineteenth thir- version. So during Ellie's birthday party, you can hear Judd in the background saying there's a big St. Bernard killed four people. It's a reference to Cujo. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um when Rachel's coming home from Boston, there's a highway sign that says Dairy 20 miles.
0: Yes, I noticed that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um and there's there's a couple of other little fun bits and pieces throughout the movie so when lewis is researching the his macbook about reanimation incidents in ludlow he comes across uh articles about Hanratty, the bull and soldier timmy bateman blah 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 so this is kind of the only reference we see he's left out of the new version but in terms of being discussed and the flashback to that story, but they update it from him being a world war two veteran to a Vietnam veteran Hmm. since this is, you know, fast forward 30 years. That's interesting. Yeah. And there's a little piece of, uh, Stephen King lore. So Ludlow is about an hour drive from castle rock, Which is where, you know, several different uh, Stephen King works are set being Dead, the Dead Zone, Cujo, Dark Half and Needful Things. Um, So if you haven't watched Castle Rock, you absolutely should. Oh, gosh, it's so good. Oh, it's (laughs) It's so good. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I I I can't
0: wait for more, Mm -mm. actually.
1: (laughs) No, me neither. Um, How did you feel about the casting of both films? Um, you know what, I,
0: it's hard because I liked the way that it was, the newer version was casted, but as far as in the, the the 1989 version, I definitely liked who was casted for the boy more. Miko Hughes. And I liked, and I liked that they, um, but, but going back to the newer version, I liked this cat. Than I liked in the other one.
1: You liked Church better as a Norwegian Forest Cat as opposed yep. to a uh, British Shorthair.
0: Yeah, I don't know why. Maybe just because I just like really you big love hairy cats. cats. <laughs> um, but I mean, of course, they. I mean, there was some good acting in the in the first one, but I felt it. I felt like the acting a little bit more in um, in the newer version. I mean, of course, John Lithgow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't go wrong and I, I thought his role was perfect
1: i i liked him although you know i really really liked fred gwynn as yeah as the original judd yeah fred gwynn was good too yeah herman munster yeah. all about it yeah i feel the same i and again if you're gonna remake a film first, ask yourself why. Mm. Hmm. Exactly. And second, what are you gonna do to expand on it, and make it better? And the ending wasn't my jam. And I think it's it's hard anytime you take a film and you remake it and you try to redo the ending because you've you've got a lot of work you got to do for the folks that are diehard fans from the beginning of time, um, and it's probably not going to be as well received. So you're best just to completely revamp the story altogether which is what i kind of wish that they would have done but
0: yeah i mean so i guess okay so for the newer version how how many screams would you give it
1: you know i give it three it was it was fun i didn't hate it i didn't love it it was fun i don't know
0: this time i'm i I promised i wasn't gonna be so nice this time Mm mm-hmm And I agree. I also give it a three. Give it a three. I'm not gonna try to one up you. (laughs) But for me, for the nineteen eighty nine, um, I give it a four.
1: I do as well. Okay, good. Yay! Yeah. Okay, so
0: I wasn't being I wasn't being too nice. Okay. I I really liked
1: the (laughs) I really liked the original. It was fun. Yeah. And, And I think too you have to remember the time in which I'll, that was made it was 89 so we're still riding on the coattails of things being kind of campy mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I really enjoyed the original i just watched it again you know last week knowing Me we were too, doing it because it's
0: been so long mm-hmm. i was really young when i saw it yeah. one i won't say like super young but i was just i was young mm-hmm. so i wanted to um i i re both just to you know
1: Compare and contrast. Yeah,
0: get a better comparison. So I I literally like like watched the first one and then watched the um, 2019 version like right after. Nice. So, because I don't know. I feel like for me, it's just to, it helps me kind of compare them better. Yeah. So,
1: but yeah. And it's important to note that both of these are currently free if you have Amazon Prime. Oh, nice. You can watch them both on Prime for free 99, as Brie would say. (laughs)
0: you know how i love free 99 (laughs) (laughs) especially right now oh yeah uh well thank you for listening in this week and uh be please um follow us on facebook and on also on instagram and like and review us we'd love to hear what you think Mm -hmm. Um, You can also email us at thesquagools at Mm gmail.com. Please send your ideas, questions, comments, concerns.
1: Burning desires.
0: Yeah, anything. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Mm -hmm. Creep it real.
0: And we'll scare you later. Goodbye. Bye.